0: And welcome back to Ladies First. I'm Corey. Taylor is back with me. Say hello, Taylor. Hello. And we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, I'm very excited. I know Taylor is extremely excited. But Wendy Curry is joining us for an episode. Hi, y'all. If you don't know, Wendy Curry is a long time... um, member of the LGBT community, particularly the bisexual community, she has been involved in activism for quite some time and we are both just really excited to have her here with us today and, you know, let her share her story and then we're also excited because we kind of have three generations of queer women here and I am just really excited to kind of get some intergenerational talk about the state of our community. Um, how it's changed, where we are now, maybe things that have changed for the better, things that have changed for the maybe not so better. So I'm going to kick this off. We're, we're just really, really excited. And since Taylor <laughs> is the one who reached out to Wendy, I'm going to let her ask the first questions.
1: Thank you, Corey. So um, Wendy Curry is a longtime bisexual activist who has done a lot for our community And so I want to get to, like, know you, Wendy, and get to, like, learn about how you came on this journey. So my first question for you is, if you're comfortable sharing, what were some formative moments that shaped you understanding your bisexuality and how that led you to a community?
2: Oh, what a great question. So, um... Corey did a great job talking about the different generations that we were in. So I uh, came out, you know, like like most queer women, I had a super special friend that I just she made me really really happy, and it took me a while to realize that it was more than friendship. That was mm-hmm. God. That would be like seventy nine. It's a long time ago. But uh, but in the early eighties, there was such a thing as computers, but we had. You know, listservs. We had bulletin boards. We didn't have the internet that you have today, right? So I grew up in the middle of Maine with no queer community. There wasn't a gay bar. There wasn't books in the library. So I happened on a a little bulletin board, as you do, um, and found that there was a whole bunch of people that were just like me, and I wasn't the only one like me. And after spending 17 years thinking there was, there wasn't even a language for who I was just finding other women that were like me, just, just made me kind of crazy. Cause I finally found my pack. Yeah. So, you know, so, um, Brown university started some listservs. There was a, a bi L and there was a whole, gosh, there was about 50 of us women around the same age, just trying to figure out who we were and, and, um, We all had that excitement that you have when you when you find out that you aren't alone. From there, because I was very vocal, um, Binet recruited me to do some activism stuff. And
1: Um, could you repeat what you said? I think the sound and then all the other stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we lost you just for a little bit. Could you repeat the part about Binet? Oh, I'm
2: sorry. Me. Oh, so, so, Binet was looking for national coordinators for their sextet, which was the top six national coordinators. And Binet was a very different animal than it is now. It was all about community and building ways for people to connect in different parts of the, the world um, who were doing activism in very different cultures and that we could learn from each other. And so, there was six people that would bring people together, but we weren't the bosses. We were just the... The conduits right so they recruited me for that role based on the, the stuff that I was doing at hmm
0: yeah I mean you noted that uh, Binet for you is very different than what has happened in 2020 I'll put that diplomatically we did an episode on um, uh, touching on that a little bit about so about that flag uh, we'll put a link in the video below but Wendy's experience uh, just to give some context she was in kind of really on the ground level when it was kind of really starting to form, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I was second generation, so Lonnie Lani Kaumanu, Lorraine Hutchins, and Alexei Gurin were in that first pack. I was mm-hmm. the second wave, but mm-hmm. but really it was when we were first starting to to get uh local local communities up and running.
0: Right. Um so could you just briefly give us as far as you are comfortable sharing how the bisexual flag came about in your own words
2: I would be delighted thank you and by the way I heard your episode on the bi flag it was brilliant and that's why I was so excited to talk to y'all so this is as exciting for me as it is for thank you for guys um, thank you oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm as pink as my pink t-shirt <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, Michael Page ran a uh, a website called Buy Cafe. It was a for a profit, but it was basically like a, like a Facebook. There was this bulletin boards, but there was all kinds of little pieces and shopping. And it was like the first buy website. So as part of that, he was interested in, in making a a flag so that when we went to Pride that we could identify ourselves, right? So, you know, if you would showed up with uh, the buy angles or some of the earlier symbols that we had, People weren't quite sure what they were, and he wanted something that kind of looked like a rainbow flag, but was ours. And what's really exciting is there weren't that many different things other than rainbow flag in the nineties. Like there's a bunch mm-hmm. now, and it's really exciting. And I love to see flags that I don't know and look them up. But it was it was a different time. So um, so he sort of dreamt up this thing. He made some made some different swag that had it on it, and I was the president of Binet then, I think, because there's been a few times in and out, but um, so I reached out to him and asked him to, to join Binet because he was doing what we love to see in leaders. Somebody who has a passion, who loves a community and just dreamt stuff up. So I reached out to him. I was thrilled about the flag. I, I said, let's what I'd love to do. Whatever I can to help you support it. But it was definitely Michael's baby. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's just so interesting that somebody has an idea and it winds up being adopted wide scale. Just because, and it's normally like the right person is reaching out to them and being like, hey, let's bring this in. Or it's, be I don't want to say assimilated because of the connotations that word has, but the um, inclusion, somebody including you know, people who weren't necessarily part of the community before, but it's that outreach that you're talking about of looking for other people and finding their strengths and saying, hey, please, you know, come join us. Be part of our community.
2: Right. And I bring thing that has come out of um, the bi community that I get most excited about, things like that, things like Celebrate Bisexuality Day, um, were things that were jumped up by people who were not activists, who were not organized, who sat down over coffee and said, "I'd like to see what happens." And then you just dream it up, and then you get some people that are excited about it, and you pull them in, and things happen. And, and in the '90s and early 2000s, that's kind of that's kind of how we did activism. That's because because mm-hmm. if you get you know 200 voting members, and you have some big you know fundraise fundraising people, and you've got stakeholders and all this other stuff, it's just Corporate crap, right? So you don't. I can say crap on this, right?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Trust me! I have cussed up a blue streak so many times.
2: Oh good, good. I'm with my people. Um, so um, it's just that's all it takes. It's all it, all anything, any really cool thing that lasts is just a a person who says, you know, I'd like to see what happens with this, and then you find people that support you, and that's how it happens
0: yeah I think you know we, we have to be open and not in this kind of gatekeeping mentality which you know and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode if you don't mind but there yeah. there is a little bit of a gatekeeping mentality now
2: Yes, that
0: I think does like you said either something's gone super corporate or we have like no. quote purists on the other end and it's very hard
2: are you guys there? To-
0: Oh yeah, okay. We're sorry,
2: sicker. my 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 what uh, screen went to sleep. I'll oh, play with my mouse problem.
0: more. <laughs> We're all good, um, but yeah. Sometimes it feels like there's a barrier to enter, and yes. I think that's keeping some of the voices that could really help advance our communities from coming to the table and sharing their new ideas.
2: Yes, and and. One of the driving forces in the 90s were um, college-educated people, which was great. But we started to restrict ourselves with only using the most PC language and and, and using terminology that fit with us, mostly Northeastern liberal college people. And so then what happens is if you have somebody come from the South or you have somebody who doesn't know what cisgender means or or uses um, tranny, or any offensive term, rather than talking and interacting and learning from each other, they get shut off because they don't know that they don't have a secret decoder ring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what well, I'm saying?
0: I, so, I grew up in Oklahoma, like rural yeah. Oklahoma, and I, you know, I was born in 84. So my formulative year of like, when I was starting to question my sexuality, Matthew Shepard was murdered. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I grew up in a Bible-thumping town. So my, I want to say my salvation in some sense was I did have access to the internet. But I also knew, thanks to the internet, that there were these physical communities out there. And so I was like, okay, there's these great physical communities of, you know, people who are like me, and I just have to wait until I'm old enough, and then... You know, by the time I graduated from college, the Internet had really started to kick in. And I saw that the communities, the physical communities were declining. And it, to, to me, I feel like I'm on that weird, I'm in that middle generation that's straddling. Like, you know, Taylor is younger and she is almost predominantly online. And I know you were coming up more when it was physical, before the internet really took off. And I, for me, it almost feels like you're lost generation because you knew there were these meet spaces. And then by the time it was supposed to be your turn, they're kind of gone.
2: Right. Yes. Yeah, and I, I would love to see, and maybe that's just an age thing, but I would love to see us do more of the, the, the real-life regional... We used to have regional conferences. We'd have mm-hmm. national conferences, which just... Um, Transcending Roundview still does one for um, for transgender and, and bisexual bipust people in the Northeast, which is really cool and you should go to it if you if you um, have an opportunity. But just this the feeling and the internet is great, right? We got a lot of people that are communicated, we have silos, but it's it's a good it's a good thing. Um, but the the feeling you get when you walk into a hotel and everybody in there is like you or they're an ally or they're just excited that you're here. You can't get that overwhelming sense of acceptance on the internet, I don't think. Maybe maybe it's a generational thing, but I would love for us to start doing that again.
0: Well, see, like Taylor and I have had quite a few conversations about this just because like, you know, she's the generation below me and I've asked her, you know, what's it like for you just predominantly only having the internet as a form of quote unquote meet up? Like Taylor, Mm -hmm. did you want to comment on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I was born in 97, and I grew up in the suburbs of Delaware, which is basically white liberal limbo, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I, like, the Marriage Equality Act was passed in, like, 2015, so for me, that language about queerness was definitely permeating the air when I was, um, Coming of age into my teens, like I just was remember today how in high school as a freshman, there was a acquaintance of mine who was openly bisexual and would talk about it at like study hall um and so like it was around me I just didn't realize until I was like twenty mm. and for me i I had a very um different home life from, compared to most people because I came from a very um toxic family that was very socially and emotionally isolated and so for me socialization goes beyond queerness and just connecting to people is something i'm still working on mm. and like back in january i flew to california to visit some friends of mine um for and a didn't friend's tell wedding tell me <laughs> <laughs> i was in san francisco so unfortunately i would not have been able to make it to la uh, at the time yeah. But, um, and it was like to be around people who are openly queer and are my age was just like, I, I might as well have been on cocaine for a week. I was just so, like, emotionally, mm-hmm. emotionally stimulated. I, like, I wasn't sleeping much because just the time change and everything and crashing in Airbnb, but it didn't matter because I was fully alive in a way that I'm, I'm normally not because. I keep usually keep my queerness pretty stealth where I live, not because the people I live with or the area is, is unsafe. It's just not something I'm fully comfortable with yet because it's still something I'm coming to terms with. Sure. And honestly, I make the biggest leaps and bounds when I'm around other people and I can just express that side and talk about it and see them in their own element. There's a level of premeditation in every internet interaction because you have to take time to type out a message and you can edit it before you hit send. And you don't get, you don't have that level of filter when you're talking to a person face to face, especially when you're in the same room because there's no barrier except your own emotions and awkwardness. And there's just this energy that people can feed off one another and, work with and it's Corey and I just the other day were talking about introversion versus extroversion and we all need people we just our energies fluctuate in how we get our energy Um, and so for me as the very much who was raised on the internet it has it has created this idea that we don't need physical space while revealing that we actually do need physical physical space more than ever because when you go out and have this physical space for like a week you're more alive than you ever been in months and a positive about this pandemic and the lockdown is that we're all getting to really see how important it is to socially interact and hopefully we can use that to address these issues when things have opened up like i would love that this could help generate a discussion about like queer spaces like gay bars and gay bookstores. I want a queer bookstore cafe so badly. Like I just want to be able to sit and in my pride colors, having a hot chocolate, heading a bookstore cat, reading some queer history book and knowing I'm around, I'm around my people and I can easily access resources. Absolutely. There's something about being able to access resources immediately in a physical space that is way more reassuring than like than a lot of internet sources. Um
0: Well, I think the other difference is again, you know, Wendy talked about she was able to meet her people. Um you, you said you went to Brown, did I get that correctly?
2: So no, so Brown University um had five listservs that they host hosted, so they were email groups. It was um Biacto, by fam, by men, by, and one more, and so I just happened across them, and then it was an email group, very much kind of because of distance at the time but but a lot like what Taylor was talking about, and so what we ended up doing is, and I would never recommend this now. it was such a stupid idea, it was early internet, but somebody would say hey i'll have a i'll I'll host this weekend and then like eight random people that you've never actually seen just show up and stay at your house that weekend, right? <laughs> but we would have we would create those little queer spaces based on the connections that we made online. Mhm.
0: Well, and I think again though, it seems to me, at least from my experience, there were more physical spaces. Like you had
1: Absolutely. Like yeah. the women's
0: owned bookstores, you had lesbian bars which, you know, went the way of the dinosaur unfortunately. Um I mean, and not just, like, bars. They were more, like, places to go hang out and maybe have a beer. But they had, like, a softball league that they would form. Like, yep. that was the town square, essentially. And now we have, like, these very alcohol, and I'm not trying to be, like, non-sex positive, but it's very in the vein of, like, overconsumption of alcohol, very sexually charged clubs, like, nightclubs that you have to pay to get in.
2: Right. Yeah, we had crazy things. Like, we had buy camp, Yeah. The resources resource center you could actually go into and like see our things and and read on the archives we had a a buy bike group Boston had a bunch of buy things but yeah we had communities
0: like physical communities and one of yeah. the things I have an issue with that I've seen especially like with the internet silos is you have it's very easy for demagoguery to take hold mm-hmm. because you have these little personalities that come in and especially because it's online, you know, it, I think it makes it easier for them to assert that kind of dominance that lets them take hold as opposed to, you know, when you have a bunch of people together in a room and meet space and somebody tries to pull that, right. it's a lot easier to kind of be like, "Yes, yeah, sit down. I mean, exactly. I'm not saying that the yep, meet yep. spaces don't have that, but I think another issue with online is you have a lot of people that can pretend to be something they're not. And it really lends to demagoguery. And because we've lost a lot of our physical spaces, whether like generational shifts or thanks to capitalism, largely thanks to capitalism, um, we've kind of lost a safety check on that.
2: Yes, yes. And and we've lost – and I think this kind of gets to what you're talking about. We've lost diversity. Like Mm -hmm. if I went to bi camp, I would see – 80-year-old bisexual people with their partner, which was incredible when I was 20 years old, right? To see that it's not just a phase, right? I would see people with different um, religious um, religions, different uh, skin colors, different genders, different expressions. And, and when you are online, because there's so many people, and I love the internet, I work for Dell, this is, this is my life, but... Um, It's really easy to just find the people that are just like you. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about the real life spaces that were open, you you got to see that we're so much more than just ourselves. And sometimes you learned.
0: Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's a lot easier to fall into an echo chamber group as opposed to I'm physically in the presence of somebody else who is not like me, and I have to extend that empathy to that person and you know, listen to what they're telling me to do. Like on the internet, it's very easy to just block somebody. Right. Or avoid those spaces altogether. But when you're in those gatherings or like there's the lesbian bars or the, um, the bisexual cafes or any of the other meet spaces like the softball leagues. Oh, I miss the softball leagues so much. Mm -hmm. Because you had, you had to work together,
2: you know. Right. And the softball leagues were great too because you had people playing softball, but if they weren't, you know people uncoordinated like myself I could be a booster I could bring water I could watch I was still part of it right right
0: I'm like, why did we lose the softball leagues that seems like well, one I... of the ones we should have hung on to and I don't uh-huh. understand <laughs> maybe um, that speaking... needs to be our new project Taylor you need to you and I need to figure out how to bring back the bisexual softball <laughs> leagues
1: Um, I won't be able to help much because I'm not athletic, but I can do the other stuff, like the coordinating stuff. I like lists and scheduling.
0: Well, there we go.
1: <laughs> that That's our
0: project for like 2021. Bring back the softball leagues.
2: Yeah. And if you need somebody to research what happened to it, I'm sure Taylor can find it because she's incredible. Taylor
0: can find like a toothpick hidden mm-hmm. in the deepest vault of Fort Knox. Thanks. or area 51 like I just have to ask Taylor's like hey Taylor can you look this up for me and like two days later I have a 50 page report
2: yeah
0: but I mean I really do think that we need to start re-emphasizing the value of the meat spaces and the physical like you said it's just the diversity alone of having to open up our worldview and getting to see like you said that there's older bisexuals out there and I know this this is going to be hard to hear because it's hard for me to say it. Like I'm 35 and I see somebody Taylor's age that's like, Oh, you mean it's not a phase? And I'm just yeah. like, Oh <laughs> God, I'm not that
2: old. Yeah.
0: But letting them yeah, see really like funny. adult bisexuals. It's like, no, it's not a phase. This is what we right.
2: do. And there's monogamous bisexuals and there's poly bisexuals. Mm-hmm. There's different people.
0: Yeah, and it's just being yeah. able to meet people who are not like you and getting to see their worldview. But then also, you know, like we've talked about, you're not alone. You have that physical immediacy of like, I'm not alone. I'm with my people. Mm-hmm.
2: And you're accepted just for who you are. You know what? You don't have to change. You don't have to change your language. You don't have to change your clothes. You're just you and you're part of us.
1: Exactly. Taylor, you were saying yeah. something? I was just going to um, interject that in regards to meet spaces, it's with, when you only really have like clubs and night and like bars to go to that are like from my generation at least, it's hard to really like, form deep connections and pass on information and educate. You know, if there's loud music and a lot of sensory input, like flashing lights, it's hard for any person to just like have a true conversation with a stranger um it's hard to pass on resources and it's also unfriendly to those who are sensitive to things like sound and lights for example if they have autism and they are sensitive to that i know
0: sensitive like i am i'm prone to seizures so i can't go to those anyways it's automatically ruled out but i would also argue that the club the nightclubs are not
1: designed to pass along history (laughs) That is not oh, of course. True. That. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, if you can have a conversation with someone mm-hmm. that can like go for like an hour and you're comfortable, you can like form a connection that can lead to education through like, I read this book or I am from this generation and these are my experiences. Or, you know, like I'm an introvert. So I like really deep conversation. I hate talking about trivial things like the weather And you can't really have deep conversations when you have EDM music lasting in your ear. I would just
0: like to say as an Oklahoman, conversations about the weather are very important and they are not trivial.
1: (laughs) That is valid.
2: So one of the things, one of the reasons that um, conventions were great is if you had, you know, 10 people in your community that just said, hey, let's just have a thing, I would come for free and be a speaker, and you would find people who are interested in to buy fishing or whatever, and they'll go talk about stuff, but if you did a two- or three-day thing where people were just there, and you'd have small topics to start the conversation, half of what would happen in the convention is people just sitting in easy chairs talking between things, right, and it sort of forced those connections that then carried on beyond. hmm but we don't do that so much anymore. But that, that that's why that was so powerful, I think, in the in the 90s and in, in the early 2000s, because it it started a community where you could then reach out and find somebody that was interested and open to talking.
0: Well, I also think we've seen the rise of the commercialization of conventions.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's yes, true. like,
0: and I know, like the fundamentals, we went to Clexicon, either we've had speakers at Clexicon, or like we had a table one time and they're nice but a lot of it is we have all of these actresses or guest stars here that are signing photos and like yes we have other panels but everyone's going to see the celebrities
2: sure sure that'd be like you know i wouldn't expect us to have a community at a comic con and, and i'd probably piss somebody off just now but you know you go to san diego with a million people that are so excited to be there it's not where you're going to find your buy community, probably.
0: But. Right. I mean, like, there's TGI Fem Slash. That they're a smaller con. But, again, right. they, they can only do one per year. And I think right. part of the larger problem is we only have one here, one here, and they're in cities that aren't necessarily accessible. But there's right. nobody springing up in the middle area to be like, hey, even if it's just, like, let's
1: all go out and have dinner once a month. Right. It's funny you mentioned that, Corey, because Robin Oakes, who is another like long time bi feminist activist, is based in Boston and like created the Boston Bisexual Women's Network. And once a once a month on a Sunday, they have like an open brunch brunch. The They've Adams. been doing
2: that since since the nineties. It yeah. sounds
1: so magical to me as someone like who wants to go to these kind of events but lives in an isolated area and I'm like, y'all can just go to a to a meeting and talk to new people once a month and possibly make acquaintances. That's yeah. a thing. And you That's can just
2: like, bring we try new food as people bring things. It's awesome. You should
1: definitely try to go literally it's a motivation for me to visit Boston <laughs> like once the pandemic lifts. I also love history, obviously, so Boston's great for that. But I also just Want to talk to people who have this one similarity, but also a whole wealth of differences. Um, and when you mentioned how, like, you guys would dream up these things while talking and just sitting or sitting together, it reminded me of something I learned. I think in a novel class I took in college, um, my professor mentioned how, like, a lot of A lot of, like, revolutionary thinking in the relatively modern Western world, like, I think he cited the French Revolution, is believed to be related to the salon, and that you have these people who are coming together and having these discussions, using their social time to really, like, verbally question what is going on around them. Like, I know the blue stocking um, group of women was very, like, intellectually stimulating and very important for them like questioning the role in society because they had that space to just be themselves around like-minded people but also in a space that encouraged questioning
2: right I yeah and that's hard to do go ahead. sorry no i was just gonna say that's kind of hard to do in in straight cyberspace mm-hmm
0: but also, it's hard. I mean, I have I live out in L.A., and we've had some fundamental meetups. And it's just like, hey, do you guys just want to come go watch a movie with people who like watching the same kind of movie? And I think this is where I'm kind of like, eh, internet. Could we kind of get people back outside more? Because it's kind of hard <laughs> to get people to go out. Yep. I mean, like, prior prior to Rona, obviously Rona is, is an entirely different issue but you know prior to this year you know it's it's part of a measure of like yes we need more of these opportunities pop up but it's also on the responsibility of the community to you guys have to show up to these too
1: right definitely You you,
0: you can't just bemoan the lack of space and then when people try to create those spaces for you not go let the spaces fail and turn around and bemoan the lack of space again
2: Or, or you can also just try something if nobody shows up. Like I was the, um, the regional coordinator for Manchester, New Hampshire. I had so many monthly meetings where I was the only person there, but I held them and then mm-hmm. sometimes people would show up and sometimes things would happen. It, you, you have to just not, uh, expect too much and just give it a whirl. So think yeah. of, like, so we have in my town, we have a, um, a game It's kind of like a bar, but they just have a bunch of board games. So you pay $5 and you can pick any old board game and and play with them, right? So you could have a meet-up to just go play Risk or Checkers or or Cars Against Humanity or whatever you want to play. And that gives you something that you're doing that's not about drinking, but it's getting you to interact in a different way. Right.
0: Or even, you know, I've thought about once Rona has – had a vaccine you know even just like monthly dinners of like you have a place that everybody can kind of agree on and you let the restaurant knows like hey there's going to be x amount of us who have rsvp we're going to be showing up and everybody can just in a relaxed environment kind of start getting to know each other build that yes. up you know, yes like the that was a big part of
2: Boston in the in the nineties, late eighties is the, the bias and bi community. They just say, Okay, we're going to the one vegan Chinese restaurant and people would just come and sometimes it was the same people, sometimes it was new people, but it gave you that opportunity where you were gonna have a set amount of time, like an hour and a half, two hours, where you could eat if you didn't want to be talking and and just get to be around different people. Yeah.
0: It's mainly my big thing is like guys we've got to bring back some of these meat spaces because it can't just all be sustained online right
2: yeah i'm getting you guys are getting me so excited i'm like okay you guys have to do something so that i can come because it just sounds awesome like like taylor mentioned something about when i was in chicago and that was just the chicago group was like hey let's do something from cbd and I'm like cool i don't live near chicago but it was like hey here's an opportunity to be around my people and you know no matter how long you've been in organizing or activism or how long you've been out there's always that hunger for our people Right. so as much as it's exciting for Taylor to find that new space it's super exciting for me to just not be around like okay I'm a mom I'm an engineer I'm on a school board all cool things but it's not my people right, right. So... Yeah.
1: you want to let your hair down and right yeah I don't yeah, have much just... hair but yeah <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, yeah, some of us have yes.
0: that bisexual haircut still. <laughs> um, I, like I did the- uh, briefly want to ask because I know you and I have lived through a few more years of media representation than maybe Taylor. It's not a knock on you, but what do no, you it's think okay. as far as the trajectory of bisexual representation in media? Because I know, like, for a long time it was what do I think not pretty.
2: No, no. Either either we were um, destroying relationships. We were... Psychotic. Women were very sexualized. Yep, yep.
1: It, I mean, for a while, great. it felt
0: like the lesbian representation was either they died from, like, they got sick or they were killed yep. or yep. they committed suicide, which is terrible in and of itself. But then you look at bisexual representation, and for the longest time, we were... Psychotic, literally killers, um, mm-hmm. sex crazed, bre- come to break up your relationships. Couldn't be trusted. Right. So it was like and only care about
2: ourselves and yeah, you know.
0: yeah. So for the yeah, longest and time, it was like for the lesbians, something happened to you. For the bisexuals, you were just like this evil catalyst for everything bad that happened in a movie.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and couldn't be trusted can't trust a one of us
0: you still see that though in the community i mean even in the lgbt community it's all you can't trust the bisexuals Mm -hmm. and i and i know that part of that's where it stems from is from media for the longest time was you know bisexuals can't be trusted and then there's still those misconceptions about bisexuality itself that you know bisexuals are completely and utterly incapable of you know, being faithful. Why can't you pick a side? I mean, yep. you obviously know this. You've lived it for longer than I, I do. have. But I, as far as like, so
2: in August, I will have been married for thirty-five years. So yeah, okay, I'm so okay. not this stereotype. <laughs>
1: Congratulations,
2: way longer than y'all have been alive. Probably. <laughs> um, so it's it's possible. But yeah, the media um, definitely shows that. We can't be trusted, and, and one of them, it's not, it wasn't a meme back then, but one of the tropes that you would hear is, lesbians should never get with bi women, because obviously we have a choice, and it's way easier to be straight than gay, so of course, we're going to eventually leave you for a man.
0: I unfortunately have to report back to you that that attitude is still alive and thriving.
2: Ugh, that sucks.
0: Yeah. Um, especially because there's this rise of. I am so sorry for the LA. I don't know who's revving their motor in the background, but I apologize. <laughs> My goodness. Um. Anyways, it's um. Just... Especially like the turfy, lesbian circles. It seems to be mm. very um. Non bisexual friendly. I'll put it diplomatically.
2: Right. And what they don't get is they're not dissing us, they're dissing themselves. They don't trust that they, that they are somebody that someone would want to love and hold on to.
0: That's a really yep. good
2: way of looking at that.
0: That is, I have, I have not thought of it that way.
1: There's the ice cream truck again.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will tell you this. Uh, one of the few things you can count on, death taxes in the LA ice cream trucks. Um... <laughs> No, that's actually a really good way of looking at it because it's very easy to get angry. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you see the biphobia coming from within the community. You know, I have heard bi slut way too many times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, and you and don't know any lesbian sluts, right? Yeah. I was like, I would rather <laughs> choke than touch a woman who is still attracted to dick or, you know, mm-hmm. it's. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah. it's unfortunate the last few years and it, and I think it's coincided with a lot of other social change going on in the world but there does seem to be a rise of turfism that mm-hmm. especially targets
2: uh, trans people and bisexuals yep yeah and that's not it. it's cyclical mm-hmm. so um, creating change in 2000 I think it was um, the, the bi and trans communities came together because training change was supposed to be the activism for LGBT and all inclusive and it was okay, she does a lot of good things today so I'm not trying to diss some but back in the day, they were very much, we're going to be like Republican looking, straight respectable people and screw the drag queens, screw the trannies, screw, screw the those those bi sluts, right? And so mm-hmm. we sort of came together to sort of fight that, right? And, and it then you see it okay for a couple of years and then it sort of comes back and,
0: and see, that's a good perspective to have of just like, it's like, and I think especially for younger people being able to know and talk to people your age of you're like, yes, this happens. It's not that you're losing the battle and everything's come done, mm-hmm. but you know, progress is a continuous March. Right.
2: And, and you can watch, um, at the, at the federal level right we had a, when obama was president we got a lot of rights mm-hmm. bestowed upon us and a, we made a lot of progress in in civil rights and then you know for the last 4 years they've been chipping away at them but the good thing is civil rights never go backwards forever mm-hmm. so all this is doing so. is it's inspiring people to if you everybody registered to vote to go vote this year is really really important i know we say that every time but this is really really important and so so enough people get motivated and we'll keep knocking that wall down it it feels it can be frustrating you know in 80 90 i've been doing this for over 30 years and i i never believed we'd have um marriage in my Mm -hmm. lifetime let alone adoption let alone military right so there's big wins but it's really hard to see on day to day that that there's still hey we got job you can't be fired for being queer anymore yay right right that was just this week right that was something that yeah well New Hampshire already had it but you know a lot of states did not so but it but day to day especially if you get on i'm i'm getting really anti facebook people i just it's so nasty right now but right that there's people that will sit down and have coffee with you that um my kid can sleep over their house and yet they can go on Facebook and say the most horrifically nasty things about queer people that they would never say to your face you know Mm -hmm.
0: well it's that level of disconnect of like they Mm -hmm. won't say it to your face because they they can see the hurt it causes but when you say right. it online you you don't see that hurt right um man this is such a surreal conversation to be having with an ice cream truck in the background <laughs>
1: uh- <laughs> it's, it's, it honestly makes i'm watching twin peaks right now and it makes me think of the surrealness of that show and just how surreal reality is right now yes because it is we it, it's like we've made so much progress, but it's also politics has become so polarized in both directions. It's right. like, it's so hard to have conversations now and feel like you can meet in the middle because for a leftist to meet in the middle, it feels like you're getting too close to fascism, and the the far right is, of course, not going to try to come forward and try to come leftward and think of more progressive ideas and
2: compromise. And like, become socialists, right? So we're going to be bad either way. Right. Well, hey, and Matt, yeah. you still? Go ahead, sorry. Well, I was going to say, I'm just also, excited. You
0: lived through the 80s. So you also, I, I was young enough that I caught the tail end that I remember still vividly the tail end of the AIDS crisis.
2: Oh, wow.
0: But I was still young. You, however, wow. probably had a front row seat.
2: I did. So I graduated in 84. so that tells you you could be my kid but um, I was this sounds really really horrible but I was so excited to be an adult and be on birth control and be able to just explore my sexuality and get out there and like 84 83 a little bit you heard a little bit of it in Maine but all of a sudden it was like this big wall that came down and said yeah never mind that sexuality thing because it'll kill you Right. and then yeah tons of tons of funerals, tons of sickness. You know, and that's kind of that's kind of what I was afraid of when this when COVID first started, is that sense that there's no cure. There's no there's no only evil people die, or that, you know, you're condemned to death for something you do, whether it's going out without a mask or or having sex or shooting up or having a partner who slept slept with someone like, and people were okay that you died for that, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, because you're the gays or you're you shoot up or or what you watch with uh, Black Lives Matter right now, right? So, oh yeah, so you had accounted for twenty dollar bill, so therefore you deserve to die, right? Right. Oh, that was, yeah, but there's always but, yeah, a justification, I, I think yeah, I definitely remember AIDS.
0: Well but you probably also got to witness a lot of the activism of that era, even though a lot of them are no longer with us. And this is mm-hmm. something Elizabeth, one of the other hosts of Lady First and I have talked about is we lost almost an entire generation.
2: To we did. Eight. We did. And, and, and uh, Go ahead. No go. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say and and the there was a a passion that you don't have when you're not facing a plague you know what I'm saying there was people mm-hmm. who were willing to get off their butts and go hang giant signs from places where there shouldn't be giant signs or, or demand that the government do something because all of your friends are dying like,
0: right or you're dying
2: or you're yeah. dying and you have a short period of time for them to come up with something
0: Yeah, there's that documentary, How to Survive a Plague. I remember, like, Mm -hmm. them watching it. And I think you can kind of see it with the Black Lives Matter movement of, like, a lot of them don't give, pardon my language, a fuck anymore, because if they keep waiting, the chances of, you know, them going out one day and not coming home
2: just grows. Uh Right.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of intersection for the Black community with the risk of COVID and how... Due to systemic racism and racist medicine, they're more likely to get sick and to die Mm -hmm. from the illness. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, when you mentioned um, AIDS and not having time and that creating passion, I remembered when I learned about ACT UP and when they actually threw ashes of loved ones on the White House lawn.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And just...
2: You know, Act Out was a funny group. Oh, not a funny group. They were an amazing group that did amazing things. And I'm in awe of what they were able to accomplish. But they had a problem where you have a, a huge problem. You've got two wings of people that want to handle it differently. And you have to figure out um, if you compromise or you split into two groups. And when you're, fighting, when you're up against something that's death... There's a lot of real um, passion and animation that comes out of that. So mm-hmm. Larry Kramer, sort of his side, sort of won that that battle. But then there were other groups that sort of splintered off and did something else. But it's very much like um, Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X. Very different yeah. strategies. But if you don't have one, the other one doesn't have as much power, right? And ACT UP had one of those sort of wings.
0: Oh, well, yeah you think about like i said like you have groups today that are obviously at that point where their backs are up against the wall either you know my relative is going to wind up in a cage or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know if you're native american what's going on with the navajo reservation again oh they're trying to smallpox 2.0 and hope covid takes us out or what's going on with the lgbt of you know, transgender people aren't really people. And then you can mm-hmm. easily see how it's going to trickle right down to bisexuals. And you mm-hmm. have people who are, you know, gay or lesbian. And I'm going to do a mild call out here who are just all about, like what you said with early HRC, that respectability. If they respect mm-hmm. this, I'm going to be okay. I'll be one of them. They, they, they'll leave me alone. Right. So and you I'll turn my people. back on everybody
2: else and, so mm-hmm. that I can carefully craft the message that I'm okay.
0: Yeah, if I can get mine, then you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Then fine. eventually they'll get there, so it's fine.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm just like you know, if they take our groups out, they're immediately going to turn over to you. So mm-hmm. it. What was it? That party woman voted for party of leopard eating faces. Is surprised her face was eaten.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that meme so much. Um, it's so applicable to so many things
0: well and you see it with the republican what what do they call themselves log cabin republicans they were yeah yeah all of a sudden you know the last few years like our rights are being taken away donald trump lied to us and we're like yeah Mm.
2: duh yeah but i i i'm glad there's log cabin republicans because i think they at least have a place at the table where they can hopefully craft the Republican Party because they have gone so far down into yeah. this fascist regime that's just insane. So they at least have that place. Um, I couldn't imagine being – I could never imagine being a Republican, but um, I know they exist. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, yeah. you have Republicans like yeah, SC Cup, who is like, "No, I'm staying in the party because somebody mm-hmm. has got to save the party from itself."
2: Right,
1: but it makes you wonder though um, if if a party gets to some point, should we just let the party? Like, is it? Is, can, well, that's what happened with should the, the Ligs party and the be federalists? Re- yeah, yeah like, does. is it worth to save the party instead of starting a new one and trying to? Because you can only try and fix something so mu- much like a political party before it's just beyond repair beyond gone beyond hope right oh yeah um
2: the, the two-party system in this country though has so much inertia behind it like people go i can i can vote a or b and they every time whether it's green party or libertarian party or any new party they just sort of get stomped by people who are lazy they're like okay I pick my team my team's a Republican team my team's a Democrat team and so I just vote for my team and, and it's all good
0: yeah it's like it's college sports It, it right it's exactly college sports area or then you have people who are quote unquote third party but they're really just spoilers like they're in it for right not the best purposes um right. But yeah, wrapping this back around a little bit because I think we went off on a bit of a tangent. Um, meat spaces are important. Online mm-hmm. spaces are good, but don't forget that you know meat spaces have traditionally played a very big role in our communities. and I think it would be a, a shame to permanently lose those. You know And Wendy, Wendy can attest you know how formative those were for her and have been hmm
2: i'm still friends with many people from from back then because that it, does that you experience life together in a way that's not like we saw the same meme right mm-hmm.
0: that's a good way to put it that's a very good way to put it maybe taylor and i need to be serious about that softball league taylor we can have it in your state
1: <laughs> well like, i do live in I do live in Maryland, and we have Baltimore, and that's a very queer city.
2: Yes. Right? Which All right, you I'm guys t- have opening day. I will be there. I'll be <laughs> sharing you on.
0: But, again, like, for anybody who is listening, it's like you don't have to wait for, like, Taylor or I mm-hmm. or Wendy to make a space. You can start mm-hmm. spaces yourself. I mean, obviously, you need a little bit of organization, and you need to have some clearly defined boundaries, but there is nothing that's stopping or preventing y'all from – being like, you know what? There is not a space for people like me in my community. And thanks to the internet, you can find them. And then you can tell them, hey, we're doing a physical thing. Come join me.
2: Exactly. It's using yeah. the internet
0: in conjunction to the physical spaces, not replacing them.
2: Exactly. And think... regards... no, go. go, Taylor.
1: In regards to organizing with so many people at home this is the perfect time to start brainstorming yes. and getting in contact with people who you m- think might be interested and who might be in your area. And, st- you know, it's a way to, one, use your time, brainstorm, but it's also a way to develop hope, giving yourself something to look forward to once we get through this pandemic, eventually, you know? Also, if and... you go outside,
0: wear a mask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. But yeah, like Taylor said, you know, now is the perfect time to be doing it because people are, you know, not as outside active, so they may have a little more time to help you brainstorm things, um, and it gives you something to look forward to, and also, you know, there's, I I can't believe I'm quoting Rent, but there's no day but today to start. Yes. (laughs) I, I couldn't get through this episode without mentioning Rent, so there's my one Rent thing, and I'm moving on from it. Um. But yeah, there nobody is going to do it if you won't do it. I guess right. I should say. You have to be the change you want to see. You can't just rely on other people to do the organization for you. You at some point, you know, everybody in our community does need to take at least some kind of active role of you know, I want my rights. <laughs> Even if it's right. just voting, which, again, like Wendy said, please go vote. Make sure you're registered. Please, please, please vote this poll.
1: Yeah, I, I think
2: – Do things – I mean, until you in, you have time. We've been doing things like having paint parties where we just we're, – we're doing like uh, – Muse is a, is a place where you can do like wine and paint, but they have online things. So we'll, we'll share a video and we'll just – paint, or we'll do karaoke, and I really don't sing well, but we'll do karaoke, or we'll, somebody will teach us how to cook, so we're having just these random parties where if you're shy, you can sort of sit in the background, but at least get you an entry to introduction to people, if you're not Mm -hmm. comfortable with going to an event with strangers, at least you can slightly connect.
0: Right, and that's a good idea, too, of, like, those intermediate spaces. But... Uh, we are starting to uh, meet our time limit, so I do want to say again from Taylor and I both thank you very much, Wendy, for joining us today. Um, I am this probably going to beg so. and plead for you to
1: come back at least once.
0: <laughs> sure, yes, Sarah,
1: it was so awesome to have you, and we have so many more things we could talk about. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, we could fill
0: up an entire hour on politics, but we don't have the time for that yeah. today. But no, um, so yeah.
2: My takeaway for the day. Think about, is the bi-Confederate flag a, something that should divide a community, bring it together? Is there a place for it in the bi-community? Go.
0: No. What? There is no place. It needs no. to be lit on fire. Anything <laughs> that's, that's a reminder to the Confederacy needs to be lit on fire. And I'm sorry, <laughs> but y'all in our community <laughs> need to learn yourselves and be better. <laughs>
2: Because that's I, what that's what took down Binet, right? But
0: so. yeah, that's what she
1: says took down.
2: She by says day. yes, very good. I, I I look forward to
1: recounting this to the the next bisexual generation, being like, so this is something that this is one of the 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 things that happened in 2020, and it's not even one of the more notable things. Right, it's a
0: footnote, but it happened.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I think some of the most important pillars of 2020 are black lives matter trans rights wear a mask and vote yes
0: Yes. please vote and wear a mask don't die we need you alive to vote and also those- you know, obviously over everything black lives matter and if you don't believe that then please do some soul searching um please. we're gonna go ahead and wrap up though though again wendy you have an open invitation to return basically whenever you want because we love talking to you uh do you have any organizations for our listeners to check out
2: Uh, Check out Transcending Boundaries.
0: Transcending Boundaries. Okay. We will put a link to that uh, in the article when we post, when this episode goes up. So you should have already been able to see it. Or if you downloaded the episode, just go check out the Fandamentals article on it. You can find it there. Uh, Don't forget, we have other podcasts as well, Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics, uh, unabashed books, Snobbery, The Fundamentalist That's Haram That Sahara and I do That's all about Muslim representation in the media And we also have a uh, Live play, role play RPG uh, da, da, da. I just wrote about it Fae Forge Academy That is every Friday So be sure to check those out Go check out uh, Transcending Boundaries as well And check us out next month We have double episodes again I don't know about what, but we have double episodes again. Taylor can remind me after I've hit stop. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. All right, th- Wendy, thanks so much for joining us. And everybody else, we will talk to you next time.
1: Thank you.